Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast. I'm your host, John, and it's going to be another day of looking at some cool OSR stuff in the month of October. And today we are looking at the snappily titled Principia Apocrypha, Elementary Axioms and Aphorisms on Running and Playing Tabletop RPGs in the Old School Style from Ben Milton and Stephen Lumpkin, assembled and amended by David Perry, illustrated and illuminated by Evelyn Moreau. Okay, so you might say, why am I looking at the Apocrypha as I'm going to refer to the book from now on, just to save me reading out that lengthy title? And part of the reason is because I came across this a long time ago, and I, as I say, I often sort of slightly despaired of the whole what is the OSR conversation because no one ever seems willing to sort of like stamp their foot down and say yes this is what i think the osr is and the the conversation goes round and round in a circle without anything ever really getting resolved so when i came across this where someone had literally put together a a booklet which sort of stamped what they thought was the osr and their feelings and their enthusiasm about the subject that really resonated with me to the point where i even as you'll be able to tell if you've looked at the thumbnail of this episode printed out an a5 copy of the apophrica stapled it together at work on the sly and i've enjoyed reading it a number of times since now while i was looking around for people who'd been wanting to put sort of pen to paper i found a number of other sort of similar sort of documents and primers and i may go into some of those later on in this osr october because i think looking at these collections of people's accumulated thoughts and wisdom is an interesting thing to do and i personally find it more interesting than sort of never-ending discord or twitter conversations online so I'm going to go into the Apophrica in a little bit of detail. I'm aware I keep mispronouncing Apophrica, but I can't help myself. But I'm going to be going into it a little bit. I may do just one episode on this. I may do it into a couple. We'll just see how we get on. So one of the first things about the Apophrica is that the author sort of lays out their stall and what they're hoping to accomplish with this booklet right from the very start, from the first page of the introduction. And I really like that because it's no holds barred. You know what the author is trying to do. And in this, they say they're trying to help provide some of the historical context and advice based on that to help people rediscover the joy and the context of old school gaming and let's face it putting out there what we love and what the joy of old school gaming is is pretty much as far as i understand it what this whole osr october thing is about so straight away the author goes in with a bit of advice and a quote from ben milton of questing beast and that quote is the more of the following a campaign has, the more old school it is. High lethality, an open world, a lack of pre-written plot, an emphasis on creative problem solving, an exploration-centered reward system, usually XP for treasure, a disregard for encounter balance, and the use of random tables to generate world elements that surprise both players and referees. Also, a strong do-it-yourself attitude and a willingness to share your work and use the creativity of others in your game. And I think that's a great quote to start the book because it really highlights, for me, 
me some of the aspects of the OSR that I particularly like. As you'll know if you've listened to any of my past stuff, I love random tables. I love getting surprising elements that force me to think on my feet as a GM. I love it when the players come up with crazy and creative ideas because, again, it gets me to think on my feet. And I think it makes me better as a GM when I'm not just doing everything by rote. Now, the book is split into what is titled a a number of principles of old school gaming, and each of these is explored in some detail. So I'm going to go into just a few of the first ones in this episode. The first being, be an impartial arbiter. And the idea of this principle, as far as I understand it, having read through it, is that as the GM, although you're supposed to be a fan of the players and you're secretly hoping that they're going to triumph and achieve victory, in order for that victory to remain meaningful, you can't be sort of fudging or hedging the bets in the favour of the players. The idea is that the heroes who achieve victory do so by overcoming an impartial world or sometimes hostile circumstances arrayed against them. Not because they're destined to do so or because the game leans things in their favour, because through their creativity, luck and maybe the odd favourable dice roll, they manage to persevere despite the opposition to them. And the way the book puts this out, it talks about it in more detail. It talks about the whole rulings over rules thing, which you hear quite a lot associated with OSR. And that's basically just if you come across a situation where there isn't a specific rule for it, which happens quite often with the like earlier versions of D&D and stuff like that, use your common sense, your knowledge of the world and the system that does exist to create a consistent ruling and then move on. Don't hold up the game by agonizing over it. Just make a ruling that's as fair as you can and is going to be able to be used consistently and then move on with the game. Next, the book exalts us to divest ourselves of the player character's fate. And as I said earlier, the author is saying, hey, you're not an antagonist to the players. However, nor are you an author writing their story towards a predetermined end. And I could not agree with that more. The Whether the, the end is absolute victory or ignominious defeat, that is down to the players, look and the dice to decide. It's not a predetermined outcome that you should set out from the get-go as a GM. Because if you know you're always going to win, what real triumph is there in it? Whereas if you struggle against the odds and you manage to win, that for me is a lot more meaningful. And even if you, you have like a total party kill or all of the player characters die as was the case in my recent Smoke and Snow campaign, you can still have a really excellent campaign and a great final scene. Granted, I like to allow players who've had like a death scene, a few last words, or maybe I allow them a bit of a leeway with their heroic last actions, particularly if it's a TPK. So we had like the the wielder of the Sun Sword in our Smoke and Snow campaign, Weimar Lone Grove, wielding this mighty item of good he was turned into a vampire at the last and as he sort of stood up feeling himself slowly 
being corrupted by this evil inside him, this lawful good intelligent sword started to smolder in his hand. At which point, in what I felt was quite a touching scene, he apologised to the intelligence in the sword, at which point it forgave him. There was an explosion of light, and both he and the sword were thrown backwards into a deep abyss. Their fate unknown and possibly to be revealed in a future game. It was very dramatic. I found it quite moving, but it didn't change the fact that the, there'd been a TPK and the player characters had fallen uh, to the last. But we still had fun getting there, and I hope the player characters still enjoyed that session. I assume they did, because they're still gaming with me now. The book then goes on to advise you to leave your preparation flexible. And that's some of what I was talking about earlier, where if you're just doing everything by rote, I find it less satisfying as a GM. So the idea is you should prepare scenes and events that are going to happen, but do it with a light touch and don't overdo the preparation. Since then, the temptation is, if you've invested so much time into it, for you to sort of almost force the players into the mould of that particular encounter or scenario. Whereas, if you haven't invested so much time in the prep, you're more willing, well certainly I am, to be able to flex it and manoeuvre that preparation based on what the player characters do rather than the other way around. And I always feel that's the way things should go. It's all very well having a great idea about what may happen if the player characters don't intervene. And quite often, I'll just have a little bullet point uh, list noted down of this is what's going to happen with the Orc Warlord if the player characters don't get involved. But as soon as the player characters do get involved, then you've got to be willing to flex and change those preparations in response. And the book goes on to talk about this where it describes building responsive situations, establishing groups and factions with their own ends who will react to what the player character group does. And it's a great thing to have this noted down. Like I say, what's, what are they going to do if the player characters don't get involved? Because then at any point in time when the player characters go, oh yeah, we've got to deal with that Thieves Guild or whatever, you'll have some idea of what that group is up to and you can have them respond consistently to what the player characters are doing. And that's part of the appeal of the OSR for me. It's the world and the NPCs in the world, the events in the world, the environments even in the world, responding to the actions of the player character group in a consistent manner, but they are responding to them. The player characters change the world through their action or sometimes through their inaction. It's not something I've plotted out in advance. It's something they have done. They are taking control, taking charge of their own destiny and either reaping the benefits or facing the consequences of those actions within a game. So there we are. We're about probably a third of the way into the Apophrica. However, we've been going on for just over 10 minutes now. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap up here and I'll do another episode or two perhaps where I come back and talk about the rest of the book. So I hope you've enjoyed this OSR October entry. Have you got any thoughts about the Principa Apophrica, or however it's pronounced? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you think it's worthwhile or not? 
Are there any other primers that you'd like me to have a look at that you'd recommend or that you find particularly useful? Get in touch and let us know. And there's a number of ways you can get in touch. You can leave us a message on SpeakPipe or Anchor, link in the description down below, or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. So until we see you again, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun. Mm-hmm.